the Legal Underground Podcast, Episode 43. On today's show, it's the second installment of Litigation Radio. Litigation Radio, where the rubber meets the road. Welcome, all you litigation fans. I'm Evan Schaefer, a trial lawyer and writer from the Midwest and the proprietor of two weblogs, Evan Schaefer's Legal Underground and the Illinois Trial Practice Weblog. You can find Legal Underground at www.legalunderground.com, and there's a link on that weblog to the Trial Practice Weblog. So we've got lots of interesting things to talk about today on Litigation Radio Number 2. As with Litigation Radio Number 1, I've broken things down into five topics. The topics this week, oral argument meltdowns, a tip for keeping up with law reviews, a tip for keeping up with law-related tech news, and an interview with my former partner, John Carey of Carey & Downey, LLC. John has some advice for people thinking about going to law school, as well as some tips for new associates who want to get ahead. So why don't we jump right in with topic number one. Helping me announce the topics today is Melinda Long, who was for years my secretary when I was an associate and then a partner at Carey & Downey. So take it away, Melinda. Topic number one. Oral argument meltdowns. Oral argument meltdowns. Speaking personally, I've lost appeals after an oral argument, but I've never had a complete meltdown. I have some interesting audio I'm going to play that I found at the website for the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. It's a very short train wreck of an oral argument that perhaps has lessons for all of us. I'll put a link to the audio in the show notes, and I'm going to play it here pretty much in full. The only editing I did was cutting out a few pauses, and I also removed the offending lawyer's name. I can let the audio speak for itself, but here are some distinguishing characteristics to listen for. The poor lawyer for the appellant doesn't seem to have a good basis for his appeal and becomes frustrated and, at the end of his argument, tries to leave the courtroom. Another distinguishing characteristic is the respondent's argument is probably one of the shortest in Seventh Circuit history. I think it's less than 10 seconds. This morning is United States against Johnson. Your Honors, may it please the court, I, I think I have reserved two minutes for rebuttal. Yep, you have. Thank you. I'll go ahead. I'll be honest with this court. I, I, I don't think that the position that we have is, is one that, that this, this court uh, has, um, has honored, has, has found to be a, a very strong one. But I think that we, we have a problem with police taking advantage of interrogation situations, of hoping that they will find evidence, of making pretextual stops, and using the situation by saying, yes, this gentleman was speeding, and then ultimately finding cocaine and being happy when they make the arrest and ultimately make the conviction. Counsel, is there anything left of your argument after the Supreme Court's decision in January in the Cabalas case? I understand. I mean, I, I'm, I'm here because I feel very strongly about this. I mean, my, my, my words are, are probably uh, not being heard by very many people. But I, I, I feel necessary that uh, some people need to listen. There are Any way to distinguish it? I mean, I understand you object I, to the premise of that. I hope you can find one. Well, 
What you want us to do is overrule the Supreme Court. I want you to find ways to help me distinguish this, Judge. I, 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 I just, I, I am very disturbed. Well, you can be disturbed in your own time. Why are you intruding your mind? Well, because I, I can't ha- reverse the Supreme Court. Because I want you to be disturbed, too. Well, if I am disturbed, it's for arguments that have nothing to do with reality. I, I, I understand. And I, I don't want to argue. I, I want to help affect a change that, that is positive to uh, this, this country. And is there uh, anything in your argument that is different in your brief? <sighs> or have you expended your... I lean on the brief itself. The, the only thing I, I would tell you at this point that is, is not in here is that the, the government talks about um, how the, 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 the consent is, is um, we need to look at the issue of consent. As well, there, 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 there is, there, there obviously is, 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 is no consent. Consent isn't necessary under the facts in this case. Based on the dog. Based on the Supreme Court. I know, I know. Well, I have nothing else to say. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Thank you, Counsel. Mr. Bookman. <coughs> counsel. Counsel. Table. Your seat uh, is at Counsel's table. Your Honor, I apologize. May I please the court? Uh, my name is Matt Brookman. I'm an assistant U.S. attorney from. I assume you don't want us to overrule the Supreme Court. I don't. Well, that's Honor. good. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. The case is taken under advisement. Wow, that's something. And what about that bailiff guy, the one with the silky voice? He ought to be doing podcasts. Uh, can this oral argument meltdown tell us anything about our next argument in front of a federal appellate court? Well, first of all, if your argument conflicts with Supreme Court precedent, you ought to be prepared to distinguish that precedent yourself rather than asking the judges to do it. But you already knew that, didn't you? And second, seems obvious enough, when you're finished with the argument, sit down at council table. Don't try to leave the courtroom. <laughs> Topic number two. A litigation tip. A litigation tip. Gmail is your friend. If you're like me, you probably receive what used to be called advance sheets, summaries of recent case law, by way of email. I get a number of these emailed advance sheets every week from sources such as Law.com, Find Law, and the Illinois State Bar Association. Here's a tip. Rather than deleting the emails after giving them a cursory once-over, Save them in a Gmail account set up specifically for that purpose. Not only will Gmail give you unlimited free storage, but it's also easy to search your emails whenever you're confronted with a knotty legal issue and want to quickly check recent law. This litigation tip was brought to you by the Illinois Trial Practice weblog. You'll find it on the web at www.illinoistrialpractice.com. Topic number three. Talking about litigation with John Carey of Carey and Donnie, LLC. Talking about litigation with John Carey of Carey and Donnie, LLC. John Carey is a very good friend of mine and is a founding partner along with Joey Donnie, another good friend of mine, of Carey and Donnie of St. Louis. You can learn more about their firm at CareyDonnie.com. C-A-R-E-Y-D-A-N-I-S. Looks like CareyDanis.com. I worked with John and Joe for many years, starting as an associate at a 
civil defense firm in St. Louis. John was a couple years ahead of me and Joe was a couple years behind. Now, my interview with John took place at the Carrie and Donnie offices last week using my Adderall R1 recorder. I'm going to play the first part now and the second part at the end of the show. All right, I'm here with John Carey. Are you ready to be interviewed, John? I am. Why don't you tell us a little something about your career, something about yourself and your career? Sure. I was born and raised in St. Louis, graduated from law school in 1987. I worked at a large uh, corporate defense firm in downtown St. Louis for the first seven and a half years of my career, and then left that firm with another fellow I work with and completely changed gears and started a plaintiff's firm here in St. Louis. And I've been doing that since 1995. What kind of cases are you working on now? You know, we do mesothelioma, asbestos cases. Uh, we have a number of drug cases, including Vioxx, uh, Fenfen, PPH, valvular injury cases, Crestor, Sarazone, which is an antidepressant, Baycol, Resolin, virtually all the major mass tort drug cases we've been involved in the last eight years. And, and unlike some lawyers that I know, you actually, uh, you know, get your hands dirty and, and uh, litigate cases. Well, yeah, that's that's the part I enjoy the most. I don't like being an office administrator. I much prefer working with experts, arguing motions in court, defending or taking depositions of experts and plaintiffs and treating doctors. That's what I enjoy the most. What, what do you like the least about litigation? The least is uh, discovery squabbles uh, with the other side. I, I think that the practice has become unnecessarily, it's an adversarial process, we all know, but it's become unnecessarily personal and hostile. I understand that defense lawyers have a job to do and they have to represent their corporate client to the best of their ability. And hopefully they understand I have to represent my client to the best of, of my ability. But it never should mean that either side breaks the laws or refuses to turn over documents or produce witnesses when they should, and certainly never take it personal. The other lawyer is just doing his or her job, and I'm doing my job, but try not to take it personal, and there's no excuse for not being professional, civil, and courteous, and that's the biggest change I've seen in the 17 years I've been practicing law. Topic number four. Keeping up with law-related tech. Keeping up with law-related tech. This is another short topic. I'm a little addicted to tech news. I'm a lover of all things tech, and I like to keep up with what's going on. And there's no better way to do that than with an RSS reader. I don't have time in this podcast to explain it to you, but I suppose that if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know what an RSS reader is. Here are some links that I like on tech. Lifehacker.com, Boing Boing, and Third, this is a great one, dig.com, D-I-G-G.com. If you haven't spent a little time at dig.com, well, you should. They also, uh, the guys who do dig.com also have a very popular podcast called Dignation. There are actually a lot of lawyers, I think, who pay attention to dig.com and Dignation. When I was at the Blog Think conference a few weeks ago in Chicago, everybody was talking about dig.com, which is a site where readers can suggest various, uh, any tech news story that they'd like to make a post about it. And then if other readers find it interesting, they click on it and the highest rated news stories move to the top of dig.com. And it's a very interesting way for a community of people to uh, put together an aggregator that would be of interest to people who aren't frequent participants in the community. As for law-related tech sites, 
and I'm, I'm probably leaving out a lot here, and I may add some more to the show notes, but I like David Swiner's South Carolina Trial Practice weblog. His tagline is, using technology to be a better trial lawyer. I like Dennis Kennedy's weblog. Denise Howell's weblog is also tech-related. And there's a new weblog by Rick Georges of Florida called futurelawyer.com, which I've only been reading a few weeks. I met Rick at the Blog Think conference in Chicago, and he's doing quite a good job at Future Lawyer of putting together a weblog with posts about technology that would be of interest to lawyers. Topic number five. Talking about litigation with John Kerry, part two. If you had to do it over again, would you would you become a lawyer? For me personally, the answer is absolutely yes. I've, I've, I've found it to be very rewarding. But I think that the practice of law is such that I don't encourage young uh, people to become lawyers. I frequently, as a lawyer, just like you do, you have college students come up to you and say they're thinking about going to law school. And what do I think about that? And quite frankly, I discourage it. Uh, and why? One, one, um, there's too too many lawyers chasing fewer clients. I really do think it's become a buyer's market for lawyers. Whether you're a corporate lawyer um, or a plaintiff's lawyer, corporations now are squeezing the corporate defense firms. There's a lot of firms that are trying to get that business from the same corporations and insurance companies, and they've had to cut their rates. It's become more cutthroat. And even on the plaintiff's side, I, I tell people, it's getting tougher and tougher to make a living and it's becoming more and more capital intensive. And if you do not have the capital as a young plaintiff's lawyer, it's going to be very, very hard to succeed. And also you have advertising, which is becoming more and more important. You can no longer rely on cases coming in just because of your reputation, because injured people will pick up the phone because they see an advertisement on the weather channel. So no matter how good a plaintiff's lawyer you are, if you don't have the clients, you're not going to make any money. Don't you do a little advertising on the on the Weather Channel? I'm not criticizing um, <laughs> advertising because it's either uh, sink or swim, and you have to evolve in this practice. Just as my type of practice has evolved over the years, from being a corporate defense attorney to a plaintiff's lawyer, class action lawyer, mass tort lawyer, and now we advertise because, particularly in mass torts, you have to have the clients in order to justify the expense and the manpower that's necessary to prosecute these types of cases. All right, let's turn our attention a minute to uh, to young associates, the, those people who decided to, uh, against all odds, become a lawyer and now are working at a firm. Based on your own experience, and, and as somebody now who's who's the big shot uh, senior partner, how how does a young associate go about setting themselves apart? I think the most important thing, and you know this, Evan, work together, uh, we probably build more hours than any other associate in our old corporate defense firm. Me and you? Yes. I think that's probably right. And I know for a fact, I know how many hours you build, and I build a lot too, although probably not quite as many as you. The thing that sets young associates apart is you have to work harder and smarter than your contemporaries in the firm. And that's what gets partners' um, attention. Nothing's worse then coming into the office as a senior partner and you notice that none of your associates are there or when you leave in the evening, all of your associates are already gone. You should really make it a point to be seen. I'm not saying just put in FaceTime with the partners, but you need to be there and you need to work hard. And the other thing is never say no. If a partner asks you, 
if you can argue a motion in court next week, never say, well, I've never argued a motion. I'm afraid to do it. Say <laughs> absolutely yes. Never turn down a deposition. Never turn down any assignment, even if it means you have to work you know, late hours. And even if you think it might be a little bit over your head, you don't know until you do it, and that's the only way you learn. So work your tail off and never turn down an assignment. I know from the days when we worked uh, together as as partners at this firm and we would look at resumes of people to hire, uh, we we put a lot of value and emphasis on writing skills. What, what do you think about writing skills? Well, if, you, if you're not able to write, uh, in my opinion, you're not a good lawyer, even if it's, you know, now we send a lot more emails than we do letters and other correspondence, but if a lawyer cannot communicate effectively, both orally and in writing, um, then you're not a good lawyer. That's our stock and trade. And if you can't write very well, then you probably shouldn't be a lawyer. You probably shouldn't have went to law school in the first place. Do you have any other, uh, you know, and I think in the future it would be, it'd be interesting to talk to you about some particular aspects of trial practice, how to argue a motion, how to take a deposition, that sort of thing. But it, just in, in in a general sense, do you have any other advice for young associates before we wrap up the interview? Always have a smile on your face. Be optimistic and enthusiastic. What what I always tell young associates is, if a partner gives you an assignment, you know whether it's responding to a, another party's brief or arguing a motion, be a problem solver. That's what we as lawyers do. Don't go back to the partner and point out all of the deficiencies in the case or the problems with the arguments that you want to make. Solve the problem. Go back to the partner and say, well, this issue came up and this is what I proposed we do to resolve the problem. It's easy to be a problem finder. All right, I'm back live to wrap up the show. Many thanks to John Carey and Melinda Long for helping me out. And thanks to all of you who have emailed me encouraging comments about my podcasts over the last uh, couple weeks. I really do appreciate the feedback, even when it's been critical. I also want to say welcome to any new listeners who came here after hearing my promo that was played on Adam Curry's Daily Source Code. I hope you're enjoying yourselves. Remember, feedback is always welcome. You'll find my email address on my web blog, Evan Schaefer's Legal Underground, at www.legalunderground.com. If you like the show, please tell your friends about it. Have them subscribe for free at the iTunes Music Store. At the very end of the show today, after the outro section by Legal Underground voiceman Scott Fletcher, I'm going to play a Christmas song with an unusual story. It's really quite amazing. It's a, a song by a guy named Slough from New York, a Christmas song that Slough did, and then Adam Curry had the idea that the song could be redone using all the various musicians who are participating in putting together pod-safe music. And at the end of the day, I think it, in only a couple weeks, maybe three weeks or a month, musicians from around the world got together electronically to put this song together. And I think it was uh, finally arranged at a studio in New York by Slough. It's called Pod Safe for Peace, If Every Day We're Like Christmas. It's a little sappy, but when I mentioned that to Andrea, she said, well, all Christmas songs are sappy, and she's right. So without further ado, let's end the show, and I'll play the song. This has been the Legal Underground Podcast. For more legal education, visit Evan Schaefer's Legal Underground at legalunderground.com. When it doesn't nauseate, it always entertains. 
Christmas. <laughs>